Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is crackalackin', fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my certified, fantabulous co-host, the demolition man himself, Mr. <laughs> Grant Hughes. We are here to wrap up the NBA Finals. Nuggets, Heat, Jokic, Murray, the futures of both teams. We're going to get into maybe some off-season stuff. If we don't decide to make that a separate episode, it will be a very much in-the-moment decision. So, you are here for the unpredictability of Hardwood Knox. Before we cannonball in, though, just a reminder, please support the show by subscribing wherever you've consumed us. If this is your first time, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, comment, like, help the algorithm on our videos, love us back. We post shorts and clips across TikTok and Instagram and YouTube that are germane just to those mediums. They're not on the podcast, so follow along there as well. Our social handles are in the podcast description and on your screen. Join our Discord. The link to that is in the podcast description. I believe that's all. Oh, so if you want to support the show, especially because we just don't have any advertisers anymore, apparently. Merch. Look at that cup by Grant. Mm-hmm. Feels like yep. caffeine, no dip threes, and hardwood knocks. Right? The, right. He's he's ready. He's already on the Grady Dick train, the no <laughs> dip threes, uh, or the Nicholas Batum train or Clay Thompson train. We have shirts, too. I'm wearing one of them sweatshirts, whatever, stickers. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube description. I should probably promote the link on Twitter at some point and maybe like in our YouTube community thing. I'll do that eventually. Thank you to everyone who has purchased something and feel free to send us pictures of you in the merch or just of the merch once you get them. I think that's actually it. And so I get to the question that everyone's dying to know the answer to. Grant, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, just to clear up, uh, I am not Sylvester Stallone uh, from what well, I, I said 1994 when we talked off air, but uh, I think that feels about right for when Demolition Man came out. It's because I'm tearing up my kitchen. Uh, my wife and I are changing it out. So we're doing it ourselves and it requires a lot of sledgehammering. And so far, so good. Nobody has 
uh, set a fire or been electrocuted. That's not true. My wife got electrocuted twice, but it was like minor <laughs> electrocution. So it shook it off, shook it off. It was fine. Not uh, a banner husband moment right now that you're just like, well, no one got electrocuted except for my wife who got electrocuted twice. I was trying to decide like, it's not like, a, you know, nobody's hair was standing up. Like I couldn't see the outline of her skeleton, like through her skin, which is how I understand electrocution works based on cartoons. Uh, so I was going to leave it out, but I wanted to be a completist about the pitfalls so far of kitchen demolition. I will say this, and I've told you off air. I am infinitely impressed that you two are undertaking the remodeling of your own kitchen. That's I had sheer anxiety for you so much that I checked in to see how it was going over the weekend. No, no ulterior agenda. I feel like, <laughs> hey, you still alive? How many times did your wife get electrocuted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so far so good. Uh, but you, I, I forget, you said people are here for the unpredictability, um, and that has the word predictable in it and you made uh an all-timer of a prediction i'm gonna gas you up right now uh because the denver nuggets won the national basketball association championship which is a big deal especially for listeners of this podcast uh they care about that sort of thing and you not only called it from the preseason uh they were your preseason title pick which i don't know have you looked to see how like how frequent you know, that was the pick by, you know, wherever you're, you know, expert. Uh, what am I trying to say? Where all the experts were like compiled and like who picked who? Like, I don't think that was a common pick. And you picked it in five when we previewed the series. So just kudos to you. Yeah. The, so I don't know how many like media members picked them. I think I saw people yesterday say that a bunch of the ringer people picked the nuggets, which if a, if a bunch of people from one outlet picked the nuggets, Kudos to them. And I'm sure there were some, I saw some Nuggets media members pick them too. And that's, I don't dismiss that. You called it, but I do. I I dismiss it when the media, when the team media pick it. Uh, But I don't think it was a very popular one. I would hazard that. I don't know that Miami was a popular one, but I wonder if Miami, because they were coming off a conference finals appearance, if they were a more popular title pick preseason. Once the season got Mm. underway, if you were picking the heat over the Nuggets, I don't know what the fuck was wrong with you, but (laughs) I wonder if they were the more popular title pick. I did tell you though, it was, it was, I thought it'd be more satisfying getting mm-hmm. it right. Because this is like, I don't know. I'd have to go back. We've been covering the league basically since 2011. I don't know if I've gotten any non KD era warriors preseason title pick. Right. I came close with the Suns in 2021. I thought it'd be more satisfying mm-hmm. than this. Just being in like the minority, but you were correct. And it was just afterwards. I couldn't even bring myself. I did one victory lap on Twitter. I posted a meme of, like, a, you know, a crying Jamal Murray. And I said, this is me after getting a preseason title pick, right? Uh, but thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad. I like being correct. Um, but it was just, I was, you know, I, I texted you and I was like, are you rude? Like, do you think there's going to be a game six? And we were both just kind of in unanimous agreement that there wasn't going to be. And I think what was most impressive to actually get into like sort of a series wrap up and how far the Nuggets have come, not just over the years, but this season, that was for so much of that game, that was maybe one of their worst offensive performances of oh. the of the playoffs. They and look, credit to the Heat's defense, but like the Nuggets for the first, you know, two and a half quarters were missing wide open threes. Their shot quality, I haven't looked at the specifics, but I, I had the exact same thought. I, I even was thinking the Nuggets are up like 25 in this game if they shoot, if they're like sorta hot, and it's like 15 at a minimum if they just make the shots you would expect them to make. 
So it was, weird, it was a weird game. Like, it they was were like super intense. Of, but. They were like 9 of 19 at the line at one point. Oh, that, that was the other thing. Yeah, if they'd, made their, if they'd made free throws at a reasonable rate and hit, you know, 40% of their threes, which based on their shot diet is not an unrealistic, you know, expectation, this, this might have been, un, like, done in the third quarter, you know? And I think what was most impressive about that, though, and I tweeted this, is through that entire rut, they still just felt inevitable. I was like, mm-hmm. they're going to win this game. I was watching, I was watching it with a friend and I was just like, they're, they're going to win. I was like, they're down by like eight or whatever it is now seven. I was like, they're, they're just going to win. That's how this team feels right now. And I think, I don't know how you feel about this. And I felt this way after Giannis won. And I don't think he got it as much as Jokic did mostly because he wasn't working off back to back MVPs mm-hmm. at that time. But to see a star dispel just so many ill thought, flat out wrong notions yeah. about him even jamal murray did this to some extent too as well yeah. michael porter jr when you look at his rebounding and defense like not really he, doing much as a scorer and shooter this whole team kind of did it and that was really fun to see an experience because it's like there's no there's no argument and like there's no oh can you win you just did you won go figure you can win a title with nicole Jokic as your best player oh go figure the denver nuggets are are actual threats and i think I didn't see too much of it. We'll never really get to the people talking about, well, look at the seeds that they beat and yada, yada, yada. Shut up. Like, I mean, the Lakers won 70% of their games basically after the trade deadline. The Suns had Kevin freaking Durant. Like, this was yeah. not an easy path. There, no championship is easy. And you know what? The Nuggets are – you don't get to have it both ways either. Now, this I feel like I'm arguing against nobody at this point because I hope nobody's making this argument. But Jokic was criticized because he didn't win the pre- – he didn't win – the previous two years but they weren't at full strength and right. now they're at full strength and they win but it's well look look at how easy it was for them again it's like we got to stop and now it does stop and i didn't see much of it in the aftermath i saw some of it today probably you know rage bait for engagement which whatever that's how the sausage is made now apparently it was just it's really i'm thrilled for the fans i'm excited for them the most but i just man so cool to see an entire like again the Jokic being able to dispel this stuff and then also we have to get into like what he said post game was great too but the entire team just kind of dispelling this notion that they weren't built to win at this level and doing it in such they lost four games they lost four games that's the thing like you could I I agree. I you, I hate the because it's inevitable and it already has happened a little bit. You've seen the just just being slightly dismissive of the path they had to go through or whatever. Like I, I'm not interested in that in any circumstance because winning a title is like incredibly difficult, but like the flip of that is they made it look easy. Like it, it may not have actually been easy. Like they are just, they were just dominant. Um, So I, I think I, I would add to what you said, like I like the sort of clarifying uh effect of this title like what it does for how we look at we've talked about this a little bit before how we look at not just Jokic, not just murray porter the nuggets it the last like handful of years because it just makes it clear now that the nuggets at full strength should be viewed as the team to beat right like and that maybe should have been the case all along and Jokic is the best player in the world and murray absolutely can be a 1a or a 1b or whatever however you break that down and like the Porter contract was a good contract now, like by definition, because he mattered and won you a title. Just all these 
all these little uncertainties that we had the, the whole like this job and covering this league and the league itself is just nothing but uncertainties and unpredictable things and like it could go this way or that way everything we'll talk about today like we'll talk about the suns and chris paul and like this ridiculous like complex decision tree of things out there and you know this might happen or that might happen the nuggets won it Jokic was the reason they won it they just like it clarifies the last several seasons and it's like now we can look at this chunk of this the you know and of nba history and say like we know who the team is we know who the guy is and we know that the nuggets like did all this stuff right and it just it's it's like psychologically feels good because we have some certainty now and and i enjoy that very much yeah, and they're just like the post game, the Murray, and this doesn't happen to me too much now. Like I, I am pretty detached from mm-hmm. the outcome of things, even if I like am tweeting like in hyperbole. Jamal Murray's reaction to winning just absolutely oh. sent me, just because yeah. he goes through all that ACL stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the history of like how his dad trained him growing up, which was, I think, the kindest way to put it was a maniacal, yeah, method militaristic, yeah, and and then like to kind of juxtapose that against Jokic who's upset that the parade's on Thursday because he's trying to get home for the so horse races on Sunday. It's just it like this team is just so fun and likable. And the, the thing that typified them the most, Jokic is getting his finals MVP award. MPJ and Jamal Murray look legitimately ecstatic. And they're mm-hmm. clearly more excited for Jokic than Jokic is for himself, which is just so cool. And I think my bigger takeaway from this, and I actually don't even know if it's a takeaway but what makes this special, and I saw some people frame it as getting lucky. There's so I, if you need to frame it like that, I feel fine. Like you need so much luck involved. They gave this organization and this core time, where mm-hmm. I think a lot of other organizations would not have done the same. And you can say they had built-in excuses, particularly the past two years. Organizations still don't give you that amount. Like the fact that Michael Malone, this is year eight for him in Denver, right? That he is still there. That is special. That is unique. And they clearly had something there that was worth grooming, building upon. And to be able to identify that and recognize that, hey, we don't need necessarily a new voice. We don't need these major shakeups with coaching. We don't need to, you know, Jamal Murray, I think, said this to Stan Kroenke afterwards. And he said it before. He thought the Nuggets were going to trade him while he was injured. And it's not, yeah, they made moves. They went and got Aaron Gordon. They made the decision to move Will Barton and Gary Harris and Monte Morris at some point. But to keep... You know, in they they did reinvest in the core through contracts. The Aaron Gordon trade was big. The KCP trade was a dual, like, hey, cutting taxes, but like this also makes a lot of sense. Getting Bruce Brown a free agency was, I mean, I still can't believe the market didn't get him more than the mini Malmoli this past year. Neither here nor there, though. But seldom do you see a core that even with injuries that hasn't won at this level get this amount of time. And I'm sure getting to the fi- conference finals in the bubble maybe certainly help the team believe in itself like to, Hey, we don't need to go this nuclear route, but it's super cool to see that patience and that entire, not, not just pay off, but to actually see that entire journey happen because title windows, I feel like are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And this is, it wasn't even necessarily, it wasn't a title window the whole time, but like this core has been together for so long and the nuggets never viewed it as stale. Maybe that's a conversation that might have happened if they flamed out in this year's playoffs, but they didn't. So we don't have to have it. And so I thought it was to use the word super cool again to see a team stick with its, you know, base principles for that long through, I would argue, many situations, eliminations, and setbacks that other teams would have just pulled the ripcord on. 
Yeah, it's really hard to know the injuries to Murray and and Porter last was it last year that Porter played just the nine games or the year before I can't remember. Um, either way, it, it's really interesting to sort of try to build the the alternative scenario where those guys are healthy and then the Nuggets you know go as far as they go and probably don't win a title. Maybe they do, but I do think the injuries provided like maybe cover is too strong a word, but it sort of was it sort of incentivized patience because. In either of their cases, like I don't know that you could have traded those two guys, Murray and, and and MPJ, for great value, and it made sense to sort of well, let's wait and see what we have with these guys, as opposed to you know some of the more impatient moves you might get had the Nuggets done the normal thing where you know oh they advance to the second round and then the third round and then and then and then they win the, you know those are the teams like the Celtics are a good example of that where it's like we're asking all these I don't think we are all these questions are being asked of them because they keep, you know, they're fairly young and they keep making it to a certain level and they're just, you know, not getting there all the way. And then suddenly it's like, well, do we blow this up? You know, if, if Jalen Brown had been injured for this entire postseason or something, then it you'd just be like, well, no, that's, we, we run it back and we see what we have. It, it's interesting that the injuries, while like obviously terrible for the guys that uh, endured them might be part of the reason that the Nuggets did sort of you know stay the course with this roster um couple if, unless you have anything to add to that there were a couple of good questions now do you want to answer this blown question in the I, chat who do you think ranks higher all time Giannis or Jokic? do we need to have that discussion it's that, a hard discussion that's why i wanted to see what you'd say <sighs> look Giannis has two titles or no he doesn't have two titles. excuse they, me they, he has, they both have two mvps they both have a title look i think I'm not ready to have this discussion. Do you have a pick right now? I think prisoner of the moment makes me think that if I had to guess who's going to finish higher all time, I kind of think it might be Jokic yeah. at this point, but that feels very prisoner might be very prisoner of the moment. Extremely prisoner of the moment, but I kind of agree. Like for the longest time, the answer to the question, which is a stand in for who's the best player in the world was you're starting a team today and you need to go through a regular season in the playoffs. Who's your first pick. And it was Giannis for me for a long time. Um, but I think now you have to say, because you don't have the defensive questions anymore, or at least like you've seen it work with Jokic. And that was like the biggest uncertainty. I think it's probably Jokic now, but, but again, with like a dollop of this is prisoner of the moment thinking that we're both engaging in right now. Stefan story. said Jokic. He had less help and more W's mm -hmm. and way less help and better results. Does, I mean, does that kind of discredit how good the Nuggets supporting cast is right now? I was asked, I went on a DNVR Serbian corner show and they asked me if, this is one of the greatest championship supporting casts in league history. And I just, I mean, maybe I, that's like too yeah. tough for a question to parse, but mm. look at what Jamal Murray w was during the playoffs for much yeah. of the postseason. Uh, this is, I mean, he has to be the best player in the league right now that hasn't made an all-star game. For sure. Point, yeah. Cause we had Fox and SGA both make it this mm -hmm. year. So, and Michael Porter jr. Is just uh, uh, Stefan says over the last five years. Yeah. I mean, Sure. Uh, it's certainly debate now and it's Jokic has been people who are uncomfortable with him, maybe winning a third MVP award said, well, it's just going to look weird when you go back and you see the all time greats. Now it's it looks like, weird no. that he didn't. He yeah. <laughs> now it looks weird the other way. I won't, I won't strip that away from Joel Embiid because if we get into that discussion where you see one player win a title who finished sure. runner up, like we could go back through history and start yanking MVPs away from a bunch of people. But Jokic is an all time great. And that's just gotta be inarguable at this point. And what I what I like, I don't want to talk about get too much into the future with them. Bruce Brown's free agency is going to be fascinating because he's going to get more money than they can offer. 
and they could go the route of, you know, what Batum did in LA or Jackson did in LA, where if you sign for less, they'll give you a bigger deal with your early bird rights. That was different for both those guys because they were still, Batum was impactful and so was Jackson. They were on the downswing of their careers and they had gotten paid. Bruce yeah. Brown's never been caps lock paid, but the Nuggets are clearly like, when's the last time you saw a team in the finals pull off a trade in the yeah. finals? So they sent a 2029 first to OKC in exchange for a 2023 second, a 2024 first, and a 2024 second. I still don't know what the protections are on their 2029 first. I would guess it's at least top five. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the landscape right now, and they're seeing, okay, that second apron makes it incredibly difficult, if only because maybe you were never going to broach it, but if you get close enough to it, you're not going to be able to spend the entire mini mid-level exception. And because they hit on Christian Brown, who, holy crap, by the way, Christian Brown, like turned into, he was a big zone buster for them. Like in game, what was that game four? It's a good and cutter. Like, the defense, not on Jimmy Butler, but like being switched onto Bam mm-hmm. at points and just holding his own. Um, they're confident in their process and their ability to find guys on the cheap. And they want to make sure that they have capable bodies to field within this window. I always get a little cringy when I see a 2029 first or a first that far off into the distance get dealt in a non-star trade, but I'm just, no, you did the right thing here because you want yeah. to maximize this window. I know for a fact the organization is, and to be fair, they were this way about Zeke Naji preseason, and he, I know he dealt with injuries, but he kind of became an afterthought. They are so high on Peyton Watson, and so I'm curious to see whether we see more of him next, or uh, a bunch more of him next season. I like the fact that they're thinking this way because, and this is the the title that we have for this, I do think the way that the new collective bargaining agreement is set up and the current parity in the league is it runs counter to the idea of can there be a dynasty or can there be this team that will run things, win back-to-back titles, three titles in four or five years. Do you think the Nuggets, with what they have in place, are built to enter that or defy that conversation, to enter that realm of, oh, they're, you already mentioned there's a team to beat, but like, they're favorites to win next season, as they should be, by the way. Like, they, they should absolutely be the favorites to win next season. But just this is so sustainable that we could be looking at the first of, if you want to use the word, many or few. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. And I'd start out by saying, you know, the rules about how you can build a team in the NBA have changed several times over the years, right? Like, go going back to, there you didn't even used to be free agency, like, you know, decades ago. And, and, so, and we've still had dynasties throughout. So I think the idea that this set of rule changes to the CBA makes it harder to build a dynasty is kind of, it's half right because it's all it means is it's going to be harder to build a dynasty the way that you built one over the last like eight, 10 years. Um, it's still doable and teams always find a way because whatever the rules are, it still comes down to, do you have the best player or like a guy that is very much in that conversation and enough around him? So it just changed how you go about doing that and how you keep it together. Um, But with respect to the Nuggets in particular, I do think I want to be careful about, again, more prisoner of the moment stuff, but there was a stretch uh, in the third quarter. I think it was the third quarter of game four where Jokic was in foul trouble and he was out and he went out with uh, a 10 point lead. And, it was that that stretch and he comes back in after like five and a half minutes and Denver's up nine. And it was because 
KCP had like a strip steal that led to a, a Murray breakout for a Gordon layup or a Brown layup. And uh, they hit a couple corner threes and like the defense was there and they scrapped and like, there's this additional, it's not just Jokic lifting all these guys. Like maybe that's the reason all these supporting players who everybody, but Brown that matters is under contract to, to your point for multiple years. Um, it's not just that like they turn into something different with him out there. Like obviously having Jokic is the most important ingredient to a potential dynasty, but all these other guys have proven now that they're more than just beneficiaries of Jokic. Like they believe that they can, you know, win finals minutes or not dramatically lose them, which was not the case really for, for Jokic's entire career. They just still get killed when with him off the floor. So you have to factor that in, but I just think, they have the financial setup for this to work for at least another three, four years. Uh, they have the best player in the league and they have, I mean, honestly, like the ambition it's because like what the first thing Mike Malone said was we're not satisfied. And then like all, you know, that's, and that's weird that, that that's, that's parade talk. You know, that's not, we're on the podium accepting the trophy. Uh, so uh, and, and then you look at the landscape around the league, like who, who is the, who would you nominate as, and this is obviously like, you know, impossible, but I'm not sure I see another team that I feel as like, comfortable about returning at like the same level. Or I just, you know, we started the season with the bucks and it was like, no notes, right? We don't have any questions. Like now we have questions. I feel like right now in the wake of this title, I don't have any questions about the nuggets other than, how do you make the Bruce Brown thing work? Which like in the grand scheme of, you know, championship roster building. Yeah. He's super important, but it's not like you're facing Jamal Murray's unrestricted free agency or like this extension that's due this critical player, like, you know, Jalen Brown with the Celtics is an example. So yeah, I think, I think they very much look like a team that could win more titles over the next, you know, three, four five years for sure. But I would give them better odds than anybody else. If that, if that's like the best cop-out answer. No, that's not even a cop-out. And I think what also helps is that, I mean, winning kind of heals this to begin with, but there's going to be no agitation. At least you wouldn't think. I guess you could get to a point where, you know, does Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. want a different type of role? But just the evolution of Michael Porter Jr.'s mindset on the court over the past few years, this is like a team that's very together and you're not going to worry about anyone asking for out. It's like Giannis in Milwaukee, except the difference is, the core is not aging, Like right. he's not past their pro or getting closer to the end of their heyday. Let's say around him, like Nicole Jokic himself, it'll be his age 28 season next year. Ditto for Aaron Gordon. Uh, it, well, Bruce Brown, by the way, that's, this was only his age 26 season. It feels like he's been around for a few minutes, but he's, you know, next year will be his age 27 season. Murray next year's his age 26 season. Michael Porter jr. Next year, his age 25 season. And so like, this is still, you know, they're not, they have experience now and they're just set up like to, to endure and just mm -hmm. have this prolonged title window. And so it's, yeah, dynasty might be an inflammatory word, but I think you kind of summed it up best where it's, well, what other team in the league are you actually trusting to be around this long? I, I think the closest I would come to, and I would put the nuggets above them, but I think it's just Boston yeah, because of the way they're set up. And even you kind of sense just some unease, there i don't know if that's manufactured by the media and and just like fan consternation more than anything they've been to the conference finals in each of the past two years in the nba finals once 
that's the only team that you look and it's like, oh, they're kind of set up to, because we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns when you're trying to look at up and comers where it's, all right, well, what kind of happens with Cleveland? What's going to go on with Memphis? Um, and then like, yeah, there'll be other teams that emerge. But then you have other ones where it feels like, okay, well, they're kind of at the end of, of their, their run where it's yeah. golden state. Like that's going somewhere. We don't necessarily know where the Kings are going to go. I'm not saying they're at the end of their run. That was a team that I should have looped into the, the first category. Uh, Milwaukee is just, you have Giannis, so you're fine. But it's just this team is uh, – Stefan Stojovic said Jokic is kind of old. I mean, he's going to an age 28 season. The way he plays, I don't know if he's that old. He might play like yeah. – I'm not sure athletic decline is going to really affect him too much. <laughs> uh, as Blown says, the Pelicans, depending on what they decide to do, they've been linked to trading for Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. You're not doing that without trading Zion or Brandon Ingram for anyone yeah. who cares about that. So this team is – look, dynasty is an inflammatory word, but I do think – there's maybe one team in the league that you could argue is in a better position to do that. And you can't even make that argument anymore because, Hey, guess what? The nuggets have a title and the Celtics court is not, you know, what's interesting about the nuggets too is, is in addition. So they, they feel a little bit like I'm trying, I was trying to think of teams that won multiple titles with guys like in their early to like prime prime years. And just the most recent one is the warriors with, you know, their, their main guys in their late 20, you know, mid to late twenties, and then they added veterans. The Nuggets haven't even really gotten. And just to, uh, Alexander Pavachevich says, just wanted to say that us Nuggets fans were skeptical about DeAndre, but he mattered ultimately. So the Nuggets, like, that's fine. That, that he was, I think, helpful. But the Nuggets haven't gotten like the Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala types yet. You know, like Jeff Green is, is you know, on uh, towards the end of a long and productive career. But like he had a rough, he, he did not look good in these finals. Um, so there, there's a version of this team going forward where having won a title, they attract one or two veterans that like playing the right way that will take a little less to fill in these like seventh and eighth man spots potentially um, that could really elevate them as guys like Christian Brown continue to improve. And possibly if guys like Bruce Brown come back, um, I think that's a that's another kind of like argument in favor of this looking kind of dynastic because they still haven't supplemented the roster with, you know, really still productive vets that have like a year or two of high end play left, which sort of starts. That's the type of thing that starts to happen after you win that first one is you get like a David West, like the Warriors got, you know, someone like that, that starts to supplement um, with a bunch of experience on the cheap. The other thing I'm interested to see about, like falling under this umbrella is we talk a lot about the championship hangover effect. And there's something about this team. And you already mentioned the Michael Malone comments. And I think that Jokic would approach the beginning of every season, whether his team just won 12 games versus if they just won a title in the same way, it feels like there was this level of self-discovery that is only going to make them more dangerous, at least immediately moving forward. I think some of the things that stand out for sure, Christian Brown, of course, mm. but just Aaron Gordon, like knowing always what he was capable of defensively, but now seeing him in what I think was always his ideal offensive role. Maybe you didn't see him being as effective attacking mismatches or smaller players. So you find that out. But the bigger, the two bigger things, Jamal Murray is just that dude. And there's mm. still questions about, well, where would he rank if Jokic wasn't on the team? And can he carry those units during the regular season without Jokic? doesn't fucking matter because Jokic right. is there. And these two are perfect for one another. We don't need to have that discussion. But his playoff performance, where we talk a lot about him having those peaks and valleys, as it progressed, it felt like we were getting less of those valleys. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he can turn it on defensively, 
Like his screen navigation at points against Jimmy Butler when they got cross-matched was incredible. And then the biggest one of all, by the way, though, might just be Michael Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. Because this is someone who has improved a great deal defensively over the past couple of years. I think we saw progress as a one-on-one guy a lot of the time. He had some really bad moments in in the final. But progress as a team defender overall, progress as a one-on-one guy, he really bothered the Suns specifically with his length in that series. And you're looking at someone who, when you were kind of trying to peg the wild card where is would he want more? Would he deviate from the script too much? He now just fits into the entire context of their offense, even when he's not hitting his jumpers. And there'll still be some kind of eye roll. Oh, he gets tunnel vision. He takes that jumper that he shouldn't have. But his cutting, his like the way he worked on the glass, and I'm not saying he's going to play like this for all 82 games of the regular season, but it kind of also makes you wonder. He had the, what game was it? I think, was it against Miami? Like six assists in one of the games? If there's a player, like we might say, Murray said that he doesn't think Jokic is done improving. We've people have talked about how Murray's not done improving. Like Michael Porter Jr. still has what could be a next profound gear to get to oh, that yeah. he is capable of reaching while still being on this team. And so knowing that they can attack you in these alternative ways, like like these individual players, not even just the team, to me. It kind of, I, I don't know how you would measure championship hangover. Or I think you can only look at like the start of their record, but this team moving forward feels more dangerous than it does in this moment. If that makes, I don't know if that makes any, they just won the title. So are they ever going to be this dangerous? I mean, they might, but when you look at, I feel like the things that we learned about them, maybe what they always knew about themselves, but it was never executed on this level. And there were still a lot of, you know, I think even Malone with some of the stagger patterns he had with the lineups where he was really leaning into defense around Jamal Murray in the non-Jokic minutes, this team has so much more information about itself and individuals that I look at them and I'm like, it's not even just about them sustaining. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It feels like they have another gear collectively that they can reach. I, I think I'd summarize it. The, the, the simplest way I would look at it is of all the guys that matter on, on this roster. And again, all of whom will be back other than maybe Brown. Um, you would say that the odds of them staying as good as they are or getting better 
are way higher than like, there's not, I don't see decline. Like who would you even pick as the guy that like, well, he was a little over his head and, and age wise, like KCP, like, no, that guy's just, he's just the new Danny green. Like that's, uh, that's kind of like, he's just going to be on championship teams for a long time. Two time champion KCP. Two time champ. Uh, so like, there's just nobody where you're looking at like, well, they're, they're really going to have to replace that. Cause he's going to slip. Like, that's just not. And usually that is what you get with the championship team or, or at least very often. Because uh, because often it'll take, you know, your all your principles and then someone will step up and, have you know, some like the heat say like had Kyle Lowry had a great finals and they'd won the title. You'd be like, well, he's that was nice and all. But I mean, he's 37. <laughs> so we got to worry. You know, you worry about that anyway with Lowry and the heat, who we should probably talk about at some point here. Um, but that's not Denver doesn't have that guy. <laughs> this is just all the arrows are either, you know horizontal or trending up and like that's a pretty sweet place to be when you just just prove yourself as the best team in the league you know they're they're incredible and the last thing i wanted to get to on this there was this tweet from uh caitlin cooper that i want to show up on screen uh about how everyone looks for lessons to kind of be learned whenever there's like a different finals victory so she tweeted few things in basketball are worse than absolutes Jokic just crumbled a bunch of definitive notions about what wins in the playoffs when the reality is there often isn't a specific mold, but rather optimizing special talent and the qualities of what can break from the mold. And I think that's kind of a huge takeaway for me from this playoffs. She just put it so much more eloquently than I, than I ever could have that. Like we kind of have to, if we learn anything from this playoffs, it's maybe we need to reevaluate how we measure winning in the playoffs. I still think what Bob Myers said way back when about finding guys who can play across the most 16 wins of your season because they can exist in the the 82 game vacuum, but not on the postseason stages effectively. That's still salient, but there is just like, I, I don't know if Jokic or the, like if Jokic single-handedly does this or if the nuggets in general have done this, but this was a very much a team that was optimized to buttress what should have been its strongest weaknesses. And like for as much as Michael Porter improved defensively, as much as Murray did defensively, I, as good as Jokic was defensively for most of these playoffs, like there was insulation here in the form of we went out and got Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown and KCP. And there was, you know, they were wondering, Oh, was there enough size in those defensive wings? Do you have enough? Do you have enough to get by to back up big position? They still figured out a way to optimize their best players and cover up for what still would be. You could say their defense was great during the postseason, and specifically during the series against Miami, that was still the biggest concern about them. And it was fair, but they found a way to just, it's not even cover that up, but maximize the talent that they had by getting talent that just fit so well. And I, I think that's something to take moving forward. And I, maybe some people want to glean that, oh, is patience more important? I don't know that NBA organizations are ever going to be patient. And I think a lot of this is just, could there have been stars in Jokic's situation who might've wanted out after X amount of years of not winning? Like that's always going to be, regardless of what the NBA does to twist the free agency rules, like that's always going to be an element of, of team building. But I think that the nuggets are just kind of, they turned so many preconceived notions like to kind of bookend this discussion, like how we started it. They turned so many preconceived notions on its heads. And so there is a big takeaway. It's not their specific like roster makeup. It's how they went about. Mm -hmm. It took a while. It was gradual, like how they went about just optimizing their best talent and like what the end result ended, ended up being. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree with you. I think that's why it feels we don't every time a team wins a title, we don't immediately pivot to dynasty talk. 
Like that's that's unusual. And I think that is something that is arising specifically because of the nuggets. You know, there's just something there's something there that feels a little different than than your not that there's a typical title winner, but from how we feel most often after the finals are over. Um, where do you want to take it with the heat? Do you want to like I just I, let me start. I, I think now it's still hard to evaluate them, but it's for a different reason. Like we had a, a hell of a time basically from the moment they, you know, lost the first playing game to yesterday of like, what, what is the, like the true like water level of this team? Like it, 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 where, where are they really? Because this overperformance, all this other stuff. Thank you, Rob. You also rock. Uh, like, are they the team that got outscored in the regular season? Are they the team that, you know, beat the, the Bucks and the Knicks and, and everybody? It's just like, I think we need to sort of move that sort of uncertainty level up a few notches because you just can't take away what they did, making it to the finals and getting a game against the team we just spent 35 minutes saying how great they are and how they're going to be a historic juggernaut, basically. Uh but I also think there are real questions, you know, like there that 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 could fundamentally change this heat roster. Um, I, I don't know. Do you want to take it in like a postmortem? Do you just have any as your general opinion of the heat change? Maybe that's the way to start it. Like, are they really much closer to a team that makes the finals than a team that, you know, is like a one round and out type of type of ceiling? I feel like we have to default towards the the former because they just did it twice where it's like they were in the conference or they've been in the finals two of the past four years conference finals three of the past four years and so i do think my opinion of them has changed that well maybe they are closer than we think and when i look at this is i feel like people are going to twist themselves into a pretzel pretzel trying to find that profound move we're already seeing the reports that they tried to trade for Kyrie. uh we're already seeing you know the aggregation like heat fans want them to trade for for damian lillard which Okay, great. Um, if that's the route, they go fine. But like they have Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Haywood Highsmith, by the way. They're free agents. Kevin Love's a free agent too. If they bring everybody back, and that's assuming they don't have bird rights on Kevin Love, but they're going to have second apron concerns. I think they're at like $177 million, and that's just with cap holds for – there's no actually, that's with no cap holds for like Max Struess or Gabe Vincent. And so like they're going to be in the second apron territory – where they might lose their mid-level. And you know what? Fine. Because you don't just let those guys walk. I yeah. mean, maybe the Heat think they could just find them. But I, my, here's where I land on the Heat, is I think insofar as they're not going to leave for just absurd contracts, you bring everybody back. And if there's the move to be made on the trade market, then okay, go ahead and pounce. But I don't know that losing in the finals to a team that we think might be winning more titles in the near future is time for existential panic, especially when it's kind of backed up by this recent track record of them competing at the absolute highest level in the postseason. I get that there's a, it feels like there was a fragility there. Kyle Lowry's age, even Jimmy Butler's age, the half court offense just being iffy for how many years now. Well, and you just got proof that you might, it's not throwing the money away, but you don't need Tyler hero. Like you, you're like that, that's a roster piece you could change. Now, maybe the counter argument is suddenly their offense looks a lot better with him out there. But I think, I think my takeaway with respect to hero from this playoff run is that like at, at best he's neutral. 
you know, and that's a significant salary slot that you, so him and the Lowry piece are the ones where if you're of the mind that the heat are going to go star hunt, like those are the tools, those salaries. Um, but I agree with you. I think you look at this team and I think now I don't know if you asked me to like predict the standings in the East for next year, how many teams would be ahead of them. It would probably be a few, but then we'll get into the playoffs and all we're going to be able to talk about, assuming they make the playoffs, which was iffy this year, uh, will be okay we know what they do you know our how how hard is it going to be in a first and second round to pick someone to beat the heat after we just watch what they've done and like you alluded to what they did a couple years ago so i have a i feel like they're more likely to make a splashy move than to bring all these guys back that that's my gut even though that feels weird as a reaction to we there was one team we couldn't beat you know, that like that that's a weird place to be. I don't disagree that they if they can, they should. But when you're looking for that move, you're at the mercy of the trade market. And mm-hmm. I don't know that you need to rush into anything because I, it's so t- because we have a regular season's worth of information. And by the way, shout out to Matt Moore of Action Network pointed this out because you and I were both concerned with this dovetails with the Nuggets about how Denver was performing throughout like, the last six weeks of the season. No more taking March and April basketball in the NBA seriously. I'm done. I'm with him. I'm done. Like it's, I feel like we get burned by it every year, both on the good and bad end of the spectrum. But the Heat, it was different. Right. They were different because we had a, an entire season's worth of sample that was saying, no, this this squad is, is not elite, and they're missing something. And there was this huge drop-off from last year. And now I think it's reasonable. You look at the roster and say, okay, well, Kyle Lowry is getting older. He's not going – he's already kind of just been diminished offensively. Mm-hmm. And – how much can you lean on him moving forward? And so I get the impetus to say they need to make a big move. You mentioned it already. It's Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry. And I go back and forth on Tyler Hero because his offense, I I don't know if it was the only thing they were missing, but for what their offense needed, he was exactly the missing piece. And yet he was available for game five, it seems like, and then he didn't play. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen any follow-up on that. And if you're that worried about him compromising your defense to where you feel like you can't play him and Duncan Robinson at the same time, or even him and, Max Struess, who like Max Struess was he held up Yeah. So if you're that worried about his defense to where you feel like you can't play that way, or you don't want to downsize that much when you've been running so small to begin with, that's when you start to, to look around, but I don't know if they're like, don't they feel closer than a Damian Lillard away though? Is I guess what I'm getting at? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have to think that because well, any is Damian Lillard. Yeah, we're like, right? they just made the finals. We're like, well, do they need like a top ten player to make sure they- <laughs> <laughs> that'd be cool? That would certainly help. But yeah, I, you're right. I don't think they need, you know, Bradley Beal or, or whoever, whatever other you know, extremely expensive, uh, you know, big upgrade would be out there. I, although, like, this gets back to the original thing. I. St- like is Gabe Vincent this good? And is Max Struess this good? Because the regular season says no. Is Duncan if, Robinson this good? Is Duncan Robinson this good? And if they're not, then like maybe you do actually need that level of upgrade. You know what I mean? Like if, but then we're just, I'm just going in circles because the heat always do that to me. But then should you, shouldn't you assume that most of these guys will be this good in the playoffs? Cause that's just happened a handful of times now. Like, I don't know. It's hard. It's, that makes it more difficult to decide what level of upgrade they need because even if we have more information that like our outlook on them should skew more towards their playoff, you know, performance than the regular season one. I don't know if that's 
necessarily like a safe way to think about it across the board. Like, you know, they're better than the regular season, but they may not be quite as good as they were in the playoffs. So like, what do you actually need? Like what level of upgrade do you need? And, and can you get one? Cause you're right. It, like it doesn't need to be this off season necessarily. It, it could be at the deadline. It could not happen at all. Like they, Bam Adebayo could learn to shoot threes and like, who knows what that does for, for this team. You know, that, there's a lot of ways to go. I guess I, I would frame it this way is if they made an upgrade and they're oddly set up when you look at their salary structures, I guess if you're willing to move Kayla Martin, which I don't know why you would mm-hmm. on this contract as bad as he was offensively in the finals for most of it. And I guess they have Victor Oladipo's $9.5 million salary, but like you're not really built to do anything other than make a mega trade. Right. Because you're, you have five players or four players. Well, yeah, five players next year with Tyler hero making 18 plus million and four players making 27 plus million. And then after that, Victor Oladipo is your highest paid player at 9.5. But like we, everyone's going to get into the stars. Maybe they'll think that, Oh, do they get in on the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes or do they get, look at Bradley Beal or Zach Levine or Damian Lillard? Like if they just got a Boyan Bogdanovich to plug the four, like, is that something that does enough or is it, it needs to be a bigger move than that. And this is all we, we have. We don't know what's going to actually happen in the off season where I would, if I had to bet, Highsmith, Vincent, and Struess, they're not all going to be back next year. I wouldn't year. think. I wouldn't think. I mean, like you were, I would have, because this team just made the finals. Like, if you're going to be just skyrocket past that second luxury apron that I think owners are going to be very concerned about, and yet they're not even, they're so close to it that they can't even, like, they would have to dump mega salary if they want to access, have access to their mid level exception. They're in a, they're in a tough spot. I just don't think it's, I guess as dire as people are bound to, because even before they lost game five, some of the headlines were like, well, do they need to go out and get a star? And I just, I don't think, I don't think they need, they need to make upgrades. And I look at the four spots specifically where it was okay. Kayla Martin had great moments. Kevin Love had great moments. Even if they still had PJ Tucker, I don't know if he would have been all the difference in the world. They need a four and preferably someone who's going to be like a really big offensive threat at the four. Mm-hmm. Like, and obviously not torpedo your defense. And so I've wondered like, could this be a sneaky John Collins team? Where I was just thinking John Collins before you said it. Yeah. Where it's maybe the players are expensive, like to pay, but to get them via trade shouldn't cost you the moon. Whereas Damian Lillard is going to, even at his age is going to cost you. And that doesn't solve your problem at the four. Like you're just, you're kind of just upgrading your guard position where you're going from, let's say just Kyle Lowry and Tyler Hero to Damian Lillard. Yeah, you do that. But to flesh out your roster, if they can make, and they're going to have to do it via trade. And I think that's why trades are going to be the focus with the heat because it's, unless they get super lucky on minimum deals or they find undrafted guys or they hit on their number 18 pick, whatever it is, or you think Nikola Jovich is like the next great thing. It has to happen via trade for them, yeah. whatever real upgrades they make. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Have... I don't know. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I don't have any other heat thoughts. Do you want to talk about the Raptors hiring a coach or you got any straight strays on the heat left? Uh, I don't really have any strays in the heat. I just think my opinion of them has changed in sort of the affirmative where I think that, uh, they're, they're, maybe they're not as close as making the final suggest, but they're not, we need to, you know, go nuclear over the off season. Yeah. But yeah, I'm let's talk. So the Raptors finally, and they were, were they the first team to have, no, the Pistons were the first team to have the head coaching vacancy, right? Or was that, was that Toronto? That was so long ago. I have no idea, Dan. They were one of the first two teams. <laughs> <laughs> with a coaching vacancy and they were the final one to fill said vacancy and they hired uh Darko Rajukovic uh and what you're saying that I might have pronounced that wrong I'm seeing So 
I looked, I did some research because I, so it's, it's think of Pages Stoyakovich. So like Ryakovich that, because I, I found a tweet where he says his own name. So I'm going with that one. Then go with that one because I was using someone else who said it on TV. So old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Rayakovich. Rayakovich. Yeah. Rayakovich. Okay. Darko Ryakovich is going to have to be one that I perfect. It's funny that I tried to do this beforehand and still fucked it up. Um, we do have a question from Bloom. We'll get to about the Pelicans, of course. So they hire him. I don't know what to think. I mean, people seem to like him from Memphis. I don't know what to make of this. Did you find it interesting that they went with, you know, they did this with Nick Nurse, so maybe you don't find it interesting, but they went the first time head coach route here. I think it's interesting by definition because Masai Ujiri has never hired a coach like outside of his own organization. Um, when he's been in charge of a team. So like this was his first chance to pick someone. And so it's tricky because we know so little about Rayakovich and hey, he's had no head coaching reps at the NBA level. So it's like not knowing anything about him. I don't know what that says about Masai Ujiri's priorities or what direction the roster may go. I do think it suggests that like a rebuild and you could couple this with Van Vliet opting out and some of the reporting suggesting maybe he's not coming back. Um, it seems like player development is something that they're going to focus on. And that makes sense to me because like Scotty Barnes didn't get better. Ananobi has not progressed like many of us have hoped he would. So I don't know if I'm saying this is a teardown, but it does seem like a little bit of this hire suggests to me like a little bit of a reset or at least like a, uh, an emphasis is being put on, you know, different elements of, franchise building or, or whatever, then, then maybe it was there under nurse who was sort of like the reputation was like, you know, tactical mad scientist, like is not developing guys, but figures out how to use them in weird ways, just a little different. So, I mean, it's hard again, this is all guesswork because we've never seen this guy coach an NBA game and, and we can't be sure. But if I had to pick, I think it does indicate maybe that the Raptors are putting more of an emphasis on developing youth, you know, getting their guys that they highly value to improve. Um, but, but again, hard to say. Um, I, th- I think what makes it even tougher. And I, I think it was Shams had this report that Fred Van Fleet is likely to leave in free agency. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Uh, yeah. I, I, 
like that. So I'm with you there, but it kind of goes against, and I know it's protected, but it's top six protected. Them pivoting into more of a gradual timeline now after giving up a top six protected pick for Jakob Pertl would be weird. Yeah. I, like you could technically it's within your control to keep that pick, but that's only if your caps lock bad. Mm-hmm. And so if they're go- doing what you're saying and they're really going to prioritize development, I guess they still believe they're going to be really good. And I just, I would question the pathway to them being really good without Van Fleet specifically because of how important I would still think that he is to the, well, like one getting Acapurto the ball, but also just like the spacing that's kind of not great to begin with right now anyway. And maybe you still look at the talent on this team and if, okay, well, if he leaves and GTJ leaves, they still have Scotty Barnes and Natanobi and Siakam. And let's say they bring back Pirtle. Could they still be a good regular season team? This team has been sending, I feel like mixed messages since the start of last season. And I don't even think that I would hazard to guess as to what their intent is. But I will say if, if it's true, if that's just not sort of a, a leverage, which happens a lot, like Mm -hmm. disinformation season, that's where we're at. Fred Van Fleet wants his highest contract possible. He wants the Raptors to think he has options. If you lose him, I know that he's not considered their best player and he's not considered their most important player. I think looking long-term, that's Scotty Barnes. If you lose him, I don't know how you avoid kind of like starting over because I just feel like he's mission critical to maximizing what right now is an imperfectly built offensive setup. Mixed messages is right. It is weird. Like I, I think the pick, the pearl analysis, everyone comes here for Grant and I just to say, <laughs> well, the Raptors are weird. <laughs> here's the thing: the the Pirtle pick, the pick attached to the Pirtle deal, means you can't fully rebuild. I don't think. I mean, maybe some, maybe if you well, people think that draft class sucks. By the yeah, way, but I mean, nobody fucking knows this. Way it's like way yeah. too early for that. Um, the if you, I don't think you can go full rebuild. I think if you have Ananobi and if you trade Ananobi for a couple first, maybe that changes because you sort of, you know, insulated yourself against the pain of potentially losing a, you know, seventh pick or whatever. Um, There's a lot of ways it could go. I think probably if you have Siakam and Ananobi and Barnes and if you lose Van Vliet, like a decent, like, look, the Raptors half court offense was bad. At some point we have to say Van Vliet was not good enough at making that offense what it needed to be. Like I I was going to ask like, He's Are like we sure we're not overrating Van Vliet? Scorer, right? It's not even just like, he's not a two-level scorer. He's not a three-level. He's like no. a 1.5-level scorer. So yeah. I, I really like Van Vliet, and he's another guy that's like, you know, he's proven it in the biggest games. But he's a small guard. He shoots, you know, routinely around like 40% from the field, like just these crazy low numbers. He, he buttresses that with a bunch of threes. But I wonder, do you think he's a little overrated? Like I saw, like John Hollinger did some, you know, he's breaking down free agency, and you know, he's making the comparison of, of, I'm not sure how much worse Van Vliet is than Kyrie Irving. Now Kyrie Irving comes with like a million, you know, asterisks, but like, I think Van Vliet might be getting a little, like he should make more than 22 million, which is the player option. He's going to decline. But I, I don't know if like, he's not a $30 million guy, which if that's what he gets, I totally understand the Raptors saying like, nah, that's, we're not doing that. He's a $30 million guy of the right team. I just don't know. What's the right team? What do you like? You know what I mean? I, I'm asking you like impossible. Miami questions. would be perfect for him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he doesn't have cap space. Let me just, let me name all the teams. I can't Orlando. <laughs> we're sort of like, they're going to run 
like they'll need they'll need him to organize some of the offense, but they're going to use him a bunch of off ball, and they have other creators that are really going to insulate him. Where yeah. it's like Toronto has Siakam, and even Siakam, and I don't mean this as an insult because Siakam was borderline All NBA this year. There's like a slower processing speed to the way he attacks. That's their whole team. That's their whole team. You know right. what I mean? But you're you're no, you're not wrong. That is that is the knock on him. Um, I just think if if you're having to say, well, he makes sense in Orlando Van Vliet because he won't have to be the, you've got these two forwards that are your like primary shot creators. That's awesome. If he just is a spot up guy and a second side attacker and runs some pick and rolls, that's great to me. Like, because you're making all these qualifying statements of why he's a good fit there. It's like, well, then he's not a $30 million player. Just like, you know, in a vacuum, I guess, I guess to them, maybe he would be, but all I'm saying is like, I don't feel like it's catastrophic if if the Raptors lose Van Fleet. I think there's a scenario where they replace him with God knows what because they don't they won't have a ton of assets. But and the offense like is either not that much worse or maybe just where it was or even a little better. Like that's totally on the table to me. I guess maybe I'd agree with you if I thought the point guard market this year was more conducive. To, like how are you replacing him if he leaves? You're gonna get let's say they you're gonna get Gabe Vincent. Yeah, Trey Jones. Maybe that's why he's a $30 million player because there's just nobody out there. And and that's, you know. Before we get to the question from Bloom, who's more overrated? And this presupposes that both are overrated. I don't know if that I'm there on Fred Van Fleet, but who's more overrated? Fred Van Fleet or OG Ananobi? Oh, man. I'm going to say Van Vliet. Um, I think Ananobi just fits anywhere. And with respect, so if Ananobi were making, I don't know, what is he? He's making, oh my God, he's making 18 this year. He's not overrated. That's a steal for 18. If Van Vliet gets 30. We, oh, okay. Independent of their salary. Come well, on. I don't know. What, who's doing the rating? <laughs> What's the basis? I'm for just saying league? because of we've been waiting for like the offensive leap from OG Ananobi since he entered the league and haven't gotten it. Right. And I think the stuff he does defensively is special, but you would rather pay OG Ananobi $30 million a year than Fred Van Vliet. Well, that's... Uh... It's a close question for me. The like age is a factor. The positional versatility is a factor. I don't know who's more overrated. I think OG's become overrated because, and my, the thing that signaled me to it is how everyone thought that Memphis needed to mortgage the farm to get him. And it was like, that is not the player that they need. Whereas like he would help, but yeah. just they need someone who I'm always going to value any level of trace offensive creation. And Fred Van Fleet certainly has that even his off ball creation, like with his movement where Ananobi is going to be, you can give him the ball. Maybe he can bully balls way to some stuff, but Fred Van Fleet's more functional to me, both on yeah. and away from the ball. Yeah. Shot creation is the most important skill there is. I think that that's, that's a, that's a good uh, piece of evidence for your point. I do think well, maybe we get an answer because if Van Fleet is gone and then we see what the Raptors offense becomes without him or like with a replacement level guy in his spot, but your then, your concern you is find out. Your point it's not even a concern. Your your fact is fair. The the half court offense still like he wasn't able to to elevate it. I don't even know specifically what they ranked during his minutes or like in the half court. But like they had a very even at their peak this year, they had a very just mediocre at best half court offense. And so I I t- I totally understand where you're coming from. If you need him to be that player, and the Raptors half court offense though was seven point three points better. Uh, per 100 plays with him, with him on, and so yeah. that might be. They that's were also, also playing. That's also like Malachi Flynn minutes. taking he the minutes, 90 minutes a game, and like all really starter heavy. But yeah, no, you're. I think that's. I think you probably just won the argument <laughs> based on that stat.
Uh, let's get to this question that we weren't planning on answering, but from Blown. Uh, do you think the Pelicans would trade Zion or Ingram for the number three pick? And I do want to just reorient this question a little bit to say, do you think they would trade? Because it seems like they're very much interested in Scoot Henderson, not Brandon Miller. And so would you trade either one of those guys for Scoot Henderson? I'm having a hard time not like Zion right now is probably the wrong time to be evaluating Zion. I think there's a lot of like non-basketball stuff that uh, obviously is like, you might just want to get rid of. Uh, I think they might, I think they might. I, and I think it was wild. They should. You think so? Look, which, which are the two Ingram or Zion though? If you had to pick, if the, Pel- if, oh. if, the if the, if the Blazers said pick one, if the Bla- if the Blazers said pick one, I, th- wow. <laughs> the fact that uh, I probably would, I think you have to go Ingram. If I think it's your so choice. too, but you right? hesitated and I would too, cause it's that close, which is crazy. Wow. But I'm just at the point with Zion, that run they had this season in the middle of the year. I was just like, Oh, it's yeah. Zion. It's so dominant, but this dude cannot for them so far has not stayed on the floor. And I get the the counter argument would be we don't know. You have to think Scoot Henderson is special, which I think we both are in agreement that he is going to be be special. Zion is still so young that it feels and so is Ingram, by the way. You but I think you know what you're giving up if you trade Brandon Ingram. Zion is 22. He's gonna turn 23 in July. To give up on him now feels like malpractice. But it's just he's missed basically two thirds of the career games he's been eligible to play. And if you're going the Scoot Henderson route anyway, like that's kind of your advantage creator. And is the fit with Zion as clean as it might be with, with Ingram, I get like, cause even Scoot Henderson's going to replace, you know, I don't know anyone, anyone could replace with that, but like he's going to su- supplant a lot of Zion's rim pressure anyway. And I'd be interested to see them play together. I feel like if you're just going based off what peaks could be, you would mm-hmm. have to pick Ingram. But if it's just if it's the Blazers or the let's say the Hornets, because Scoot might go too. And if I were the Hornets, I would take him at two. If it's Zion for Scoot, I don't know, man. I might be doing it at this point. But again, I don't know if I'm just like trapped in this. Like I've I've fallen in love with the Pelicans with Zion so often. They look they're on the cusp of something, only to be pulled back by injuries, specifically to him, but also Ingram had his own issues this year, so did Herb Jones, yada yada yada. And also is there an element that it's, is it easier to it's easier to build a team around Zion than Ingram? Because I don't think you should build a team around Ingram. That's that would be my stance. Yeah. But Ingram scales yeah. to more total situations, I think yeah. is the best way to put it. I think that is the fundamental issue with Zion is it's it is clear that when he is healthy and on the floor, he is the center around which you build of a very, very good team. He's a he's a difficult player to build around though because he has like pronounced weaknesses on both ends and you have to be like pretty careful and pretty circumspect in like how what what guys you put around him you need specific things and then he's also never healthy so it's like you build this tailor made roster to suit what your best player who again we got evidence like when he's right he's is, he's an all NBA like top ten top five guy Zion has played at a level already that Ingram. I'd say is highly unlikely to ever reach. Like I know Ingram's been an all-star, but just like Ingram has never had stretches where it's like, Jesus Christ, this guy is all NBA first team. He's going to average 30 points a game. He's going to shoot 60%. Like just 
he's never touching that. Zion just like he, he's great when in, in the stretches where he plays and he's healthy. It's just so hard. So if you add Scoot, this is what it gets around. It gets back to you trade Ingram for the pick, right? You get Scoot Henderson in there. I feel like that insulates you a little bit. So you're not just left with this weird ass roster when Zion's not healthy and out there. But your point is right. Like it does. You have to think about, well, if we take the ball out of Zion's hands creation wise, like what's he doing? You know, are we, are we like, it's at screens and stuff, but yeah, but it's just different. Right. So I, I don't know. I think, I think the answer is Ingram. You would trade Ingram for the number three pick. I think, I think full stop. I would probably do that. If I'm new Orleans, you got to throw some, you got to get, take some money back or whatever, but it, it's not easy. Like what you're left with is not necessarily a simple setup with Zion and what you assume is going to be like an all-star, you know, ball dominant point guard. We have New Orleans fans in the Discord chat, and so I'll be interested to see what they have to say on this matter. Do you want to take us out of here on a segment that we, we did not think we were going to go this long on just the Nuggets and Heat and then a little bit of uh, Raptors, Pelicans talk, apparently? It, we had to do it because we won't have basketball games to, or teams playing to talk about for quite a while now. Yeah, we so. won't have NBA basketball for quite some time. We are going to have to shift into off-season mode, which we will be doing immediately after we hit end on this broadcast. Right. Would, you, would you like to take us out of here? Yeah. Uh, thanks everybody for listening, uh, for all the comments today, uh, for checking us out on YouTube. If you want to make sure you can follow us everywhere that we produce stuff, uh, f- check our socials at hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok at hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, please get our, get our numbers up there. That's always helpful. Uh, give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Great reviews on iTunes help, uh, Spotify too. uh, tell your friends and enemies. I think I got everything. And, and I'll close it out here. Oh, buy some merch. Dan, where's the link for the merch? Can can you tell us where that's going to be? Is that in the description? Uh, yeah, in the YouTube and podcast description. I'll post. I'll vent, I need to promote it on Twitter. I don't know, but if people are listening to the podcast, hopefully they can go find that. But thank you to anyone who has purchased some Hardwood Knox swag. Yes, double thanks for me. Uh, and I'll take us out with a uh, shout out to the one and only free agent, uh, Frank Nilakina, and an apology to Jared Allen. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.